Hello, and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with a Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 53 Keeping to the Tao If only I had the tiniest grain of wisdom, I should walk in the great way, and my only fear would be to stray from it. The great way is very smooth and straight, and yet the people prefer devious bypaths. The court is very clean and well garnished, but the fields are very weedy and wild, and the granaries are very empty. They wear gorgeous clothes, they carry sharp swords, they surfeit themselves with food and drink, they possess more riches than they can use. They are the heralds of brigandage. As for Tao, what do they know about it? That's verse 53 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by John C.H. Wu. Next, let's break it down. This verse has two parts to it, and we'll take each part one idea at a time. Part one talks about staying focused on the Tao, and part two talks about practicing integration. So, part one seems to be pretty clearly delineated. If only I had the tiniest grain of wisdom, I should walk in the great way, and my only fear would be to stray from it. And then we go on to say that the great way is very smooth and straight, and yet the people prefer devious paths. So I feel like that's part one. And what Lao Tzu is telling me is that if I'm smart, I should just do what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> I should do my best to move into harmony with the Tao. That is my way, right? 
Okay, so, I, you know, there's not really a lot of guesswork there. Um, I guess the part where it talks about devious paths and the people preferring that, of course, I'm the people, right? Of course, uh, I get distracted with things. I get distracted with the pursuit of emotional security, financial security. I get distracted with the pursuit of being somebody in the community and, you know, having relationships that go my way. Um, and you know, that's, that's a natural part of being human is to participate in those things. But, you know, we've, we've always been talking about this idea of not getting, uh, not placing too much important on knowledge, not placing too much importance on prestige or my standing within the community, because all that stuff is temporary, right? The only thing that's actually constant is my existence and the universe as an expression of the Tao, right? So when we're talking about deviating from the path, we're not talking about, oh, you over there, you're deviating. And no, you over there, you're de-. No, we're talking about ourselves. <laughs> at least I am, or at least I try to. Okay, so part one is basically like, hey, look, um, it's best to just stay focused on the Tao. Okay, so what about part two? Well, Part two says that the court is very clean and well garnished, but the fields are weedy and wild and the granaries are empty. So we're talking about, hey, it looks really, really nice over here, but it's not so great looking over there. And then there's more description about the people in the courts, right? They wear gorgeous clothes, carrying sharp swords, and they're splitting with wealth, basically. Um... So what does that mean? And how does that apply to me? Well, I think in a general sense, when rulers are becoming rich off of taxes, really it's just a wealth transfer, right? Um, from you know, and, and, and this has happened throughout human history. It's kind of what we do. <laughs> um, there's, there's always rich folks and there's always poor folks and I'm not passing judgment on that system one way or the other. Um, what I am saying is that seems to be the way that things play out. Not also saying that it can be different or that it should be different. I'm just looking at, I'm just observing, right? Okay. Um, so if that's the case and we have this condition over and over and over again, um, what Lao Tzu does is he actually does judge it. He says that, you know, those who are in those places are the heralds of brigandage. Well, okay. Meaning, meaning that by virtue of having more of the superficial stuff than other people, um, what I'm doing is I'm creating the opportunity for people to become thieves and robbers. Right. Um, more on that in further verses down the line. But, but the idea is that when, I think this is the core concept, when you neglect one thing, other things suffer, right? So when the courts are very clean, the fields are weedy and wild and the granaries are very empty. So I like to think about a deeper definition of that. And it's not my thought. It, I, yeah, I'll reference it a little later in the, in the episode, but it's... It's actually, we're talking about my mind, my consciousness, and you know how I'm staying on the path. If I'm distracting myself with 
corporeal things, my senses, my wealth, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, what I'm doing perhaps is I'm neglecting my spirituality, that thing that's actually really, really important for me. I have experience with that. I neglected it for a long time. Um, and so how do I not neglect it? Well, I practice integrating my shadows, kind of like what we've been talking about for the you know past few episodes. So that's my take on part two. Okay, so let's put that back together. And uh, But before we do that, let's summarize that. Part one talks about staying focused on the Tao, staying focused on the main path. And then part two talks about well, look, uh, if everything's great over here, but it's not over there, then you've got some work to do, Dan. <laughs> right? Okay. So let's put that back together and I'll read verse 53 again. If only I had the tiniest grain of wisdom, I should walk in the great way, and my only fear would be to stray from it. The great way is very smooth and straight, and yet the people prefer devious paths. The court is very clean and well garnished, but the fields are very weedy and wild, and the granaries are very empty. They wear gorgeous clothes, they carry sharp swords, they surfeit themselves with food and drink. They possess more riches than they can use. They are the heralds of brigandage, and as for Dal, what do they know about it? Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering keeping to the Tao. There are two things. Number one is the way. And number two is self-cultivation. The way. Let's imagine that we are in the forest. We're on a path. It's a wide one. And it seems straight enough, though we can see that it turns gently to the left at the limit of our vision. There are green trees on either side of the path. They filter out the harshness of the sun, but there's plenty of light. Little bushes grow alongside the path. And there are even some that are producing berries. Yes, the ones that we can eat. You look back, and there's more path, more trees, going back a little ways and then curving gently toward the right at the limit of your vision. Most of the time, you can hear the wind rustling gently through the treetops, and sometimes the wind comes through the leaves and brushes your face. You turn around, and you keep going forward. The sound of your footsteps is constant. Sometimes it sounds gravelly. Sometimes it sounds muffled, if the dirt is soft. And it's not all flat. There's a little hill over here, and a little hill over there. Birds are calling to each other, and it smells of fresh earth. Maybe a little like the trees once in a while. It seems that all is well, and you happily walk on, Wondering sometimes in the back of your head what's next or when you'll arrive at your destination, what you might do there. But mostly, it's pretty peaceful. Now you're hearing people in the distance. And this seems interesting. 
It's kind of far off, but they sound like they're laughing and having a good time. You walk a little further, and now it seems like the sounds are coming from the right. A little further, and you see a little path, about half the size of yours, veering off. No one's on the path, but you realize the sounds you're hearing are coming from that direction. The little path is more windy than yours, and it disappears down a hill and around a left curve just a little distance from you. But you continue. The sounds of the others fade away. Now you hear noises in the distance again, and your experience repeats. This time, the noise comes from the left. You also stop in front of the left path, considering if you'll take it a little time to explore what's there. You continue. The sounds of the others fades away. A little further now. And now you hear noises on both sides. There's more laughter. Now music. And sometimes the whole group of people you hear laugh in unison. The little side paths become more frequent. But still, you are alone on the wide, relatively straight path. You eat a little when you're hungry and keep going. Sometimes you wonder, where is all this leading to? Those others seem to be having a good time. Why should I even be walking on this path right now? How did I get here? You think about this, but those thoughts fade. And for a while, things get quiet again, and it's just the sound of you walking. Then, just around the next curve, you see an object in the center of the path. You keep walking and reach it. It looks like an elevator, and there's a sign that is encouraging you to get in. So, you do. There's only one button, so with a little hesitation, you push it. The doors slide shut, and you feel upward movement. The walls and the door become transparent, so now you can see the tops of the trees. In a couple of moments, you're looking down on the forest. You look forward in the direction you've been walking, and you see off in the distance the forest ends, and it turns into a beautiful landscape with rolling hills and lush green grass. There aren't any signs of what the place could be, but you inherently know it's a magical place. You can just feel it. Now you look back on the path you are on. You see it stretching far behind you. It is interesting, you note, of how it has twists and turns of its own, just a little more gentle. There are little rock formations here and there, and you can see little ravines and other contours that have kept it interesting. And from up here, you see those little side paths you consider taking. You note that those paths are very short. They only stray from the main path a little way and end in the forest. And the people at those ends are there. And they're just sitting there, moving around in their little spaces. They're not going anywhere. They seem happy enough, but they're not headed anywhere. The elevator pauses for a moment and starts its way back down. Soon, 
You're stepping out of it. You look to the direction of your destination and resolutely keep going. Self-cultivation. I can think of movies or TV shows or just stories that always talk about the royal family. Everywhere, both in the East and the West, there are always stories about the affluent and the social structures in which they operate. There are always the folks in power and the folks who are close to power and are trying to get more. There are always plans and designs to get more. And of course, all under fine clothes, fine dwellings, fine food. All the things are fine. Once in a while, the story will cut to the peasantry for contrast. Basically, anyone who's not royal doesn't live as well and is dealing with life problems rather than people problems. In this verse, Lao Tzu makes the same contrast. He said that there are royals who gather more power, more people, more of everything, And yet the source from which they gather these things are depleted. He says, the fields are overgrown and the granaries are empty. What does this look like in the modern world? Well, maybe farm fields aren't overgrown or grain silos aren't necessarily empty. But what about the quality of life for everyone? Isn't it true that despite what we may think about scarcity of resources, the possibility exists that Maybe there really is enough for everyone's needs. That maybe scarcity is the thing we use to increase prices on things. And what about in our own lives? Do we make certain things seem to be more limited than they are so we won't have to help folks? I mean, how many times have we said, I don't have time, or I can't help you, or... No, you should do X, Y, or Z. I mean, there really are times when we don't have time. We can't help, or the best way we can help is to give our advice. But if I'm looking at myself, there are times when I use these statements as excuses because helping others might be inconvenient. (laughs) As always, there is another way we can consider the second part of this verse. It's actually my favorite way right now. In the Red Pine translation of the Tao Te Ching on page 106 of the Copper Canyon Press paperback edition, copyrighted in 2009, Red Pine says of a Chinese commentator named Li He Shai, quote, A spotless palace refers to the height of superficiality, and overgrown fields refer to an uncultivated mind. An empty granary refers to a lack of virtue. End quote. Not going to lie, this one blew my hair back. <laughs> I can be pursuing things in life, you know, like emotional and financial security, prestige, and relationships on my terms. And while I'm doing that, I can be ignoring my own spiritual development. I can be swinging from emotion to emotion, allowing my feelings to color the way I see the world without paying attention to what really might be going on. I can even get caught up in the blind pursuit of so-called enlightenment. 
and leave my spiritual development uncultivated, can't I? The pursuit of people, things, and situations which cause me to feel like I'm secure, making progress worthy of respect. Or put another way, believing that external indicators will show me that I'm okay. That if so-and-so thinks this about me and tells others, then I'll be respected in the community. That if I have enough wealth to provide for my family, I'll be a worthy human being. That if I have a sick ride, I'll deserve the impressed looks from people. That if I get impressed looks from people, I'll feel good on the inside. I've been learning that these and many other external things are the riches and palaces that Lao Tzu is talking about in this verse. My cultivated spirituality seems to mean at the moment wanting to serve others, wanting to share light, love, and hope with others, like not for any other end other than to help. So I gotta admit, at this point in my life, my fields look pretty raggedy. Years of neglect have left them dried out in some places, bushy and weedy in other places. But since I began my journey with the Tao, I got that old rusty sickle out of the dilapidated shed and day by day did what I could to cultivate a section at a time. In some places, I've been able to sow a few seeds and they have produced some fine grain. So while my granary is mostly empty still, there is a small amount of sustenance there. And while the work will continue for the rest of my life, I am content with my progress for right now. So what does repairing the fields look like for me? Well, there's a lot of things that I can do. You know, checklists of things I should do and things that I shouldn't. And I've made those lists before. But I've found that by the time I'm listing stuff, I've lost the spirit of cultivation. So far, in my experience, I've started with just one thing. Choosing harmony with the Tao over the pursuit of the corporeal things we just mentioned. That makes things pretty easy in a woo-way sort of way. All I do is choose my disposition, then allow the Tao to work in my life, exercise patience, and participate in whatever comes in my way. If I'm vigilant, with myself, I get better and better at catching me when I start to think that corporeal fulfillment is the right thing to do. When I choose my disposition, everything seems to fall into place, if, of course, I continue to stay on the main, mostly flat, sometimes uninteresting path. When there's a business opportunity, I sometimes notice a little path going off to the right a little. And I hear people laughing and having a good time, and I'm tempted to go down there. Now, this doesn't mean that I don't pursue the opportunity, but I wait for it to meet me on the wide path instead of getting distracted and thinking that it will solve my problems. When I choose my disposition, I can help others by being myself. There's no need to walk down that little path that goes off to the left or right by helping others the way that I think that they should be helped. I don't have to pretend that I know best and am infallible. I can allow the Tao to work through me in whatever way it needs to, either for my benefit, the other person's, or both. And I can stay on that wide, easy path, working my way toward the destination. In summary, cultivating my fields, 
filling my granaries, staying on that wide, easy path. These things all start with the intent to do them, to be willing to do them. In the last episode, we touched on what it means to integrate our shadows, or to cultivate our spirituality. It starts with willingness, it continues with participation, and it ends in helping others, which starts the cycle again. And all we have to do is keep walking. So to wrap up my experience with this verse today and considering keeping to the Tao, I thought about two things. One was the path. And two, self-cultivation. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of keeping to the Tao in this verse today. I'd like to share with you a few ways that I practice cultivating myself. In the morning, I try to cultivate my body with light exercise after performing my hygiene tasks. I practice meditation after that. I try to clean something from the day before, and then my day begins with a little breakfast and Lovely, lovely coffee. As I go through the day, my thoughts turn toward my work and my list of things I need to do. And from time to time, I will experience the urge to procrastinate, and more often than not, I'll take a little side path to avoid the task I know I should be doing. Sometimes I don't even know of taking the side path, so when I become aware of it, just like meditation, I will gently bring myself back or ask for the willingness to complete it when I remember. In my work, I usually have low amounts of conflict with others. At home during the day, from time to time, I'll have a disagreement with my spouse or we'll butt heads about something that's happened. I try to remember to look for times that I perhaps instigated the disharmony and when I find it, I address it. If I have selfishly started it, I tell my spouse what I have realized and try to do better the next time. If something she's done affects me in a way that hurts me, I also tell her in a way that comes from a place of love rather than judgment or accusation. I try to anyways. At night, when the day is done, I try to take about 15 minutes and journal about deeper issues I'd like to work on. I use books, study groups, and friends to help me with this. From time to time, I'll read a book that I think will help me along my spiritual journey. Of course, I watch movies and I scroll. But I try to do these other things as well. So for me, cultivating my fields looks like some habit and ritual and some participation in life with others. I find that while reading the books and doing the meditation is really great, I must put into practice that which I have learned. And the convenient part about life with others is that they provide ample opportunity for me to do that. Yes, I get irritated with others frequently enough to realize that they are my teachers. Although it's uncomfortable in the moment, I know that my continually looking for ways to refine myself using my experiences with others helps me to stay on that broad, easy path. So as we close out, this episode of the podcast, I would like to invite you to consider developing your own cultivation process. 
Maybe you've already got one. You've probably already got one. If you don't, that's okay. Just know that all you have to do is start somewhere. And you don't have to take time to lay out a whole system. And what I mentioned earlier has taken some years to solidify. I just started with 15 minutes a day in meditation wherever I could fit it in. The routine just sort of evolved by itself. Spiritual growth, in my experience, is slow. Learning and refinement, in my experience, is slow. (laughs) It may take me weeks or months to finish a spiritual book because, you know, I just take it idea by idea, sitting with it and practicing it as I go. So there's no rush. Begin or continue to develop your practice, meditation by meditation, page by page, disagreement by disagreement. Let's keep walking on that wide, easy path, plodding forward, together. As always, I welcome you to email the podcast if you are interested in learning about some of the books that have been foundational and continue to help me grow. Until next time, I wish you peace, compassion, and humility. To close out this episode, I will leave you with a final reading of verse 53 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by John C.H. Wu. If only I had the tiniest grain of wisdom, I should walk in the great way, and my only fear would be to stray from it. The great way is very smooth and straight, and yet the people prefer devious paths. The court is very clean and well garnished, but the fields are very weedy and wild, and the granaries are very empty. They wear gorgeous clothes, they carry sharp swords, they surfeit themselves with food and drink. They possess more riches than they can use. They are the heralds of brigandage. As for Dao, what do they know about it? Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.